I'm Hannah. I'm Jen. And this is Midnight Nonsense. Oh, so tonight's podcast is brought to you by Breddies in the Mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Alternatively eating grilled cheeses. Really late at night. Too many. Too many grilled cheese. Well, because it... I I decided to be healthy tonight, so I ate broccoli for dinner. Which just broccoli. Just some ranch. <laughs> and one of those peach smoothies I love so much. Not, no. And then I was hungry again. So then I ate ice cream. That didn't help. I was still hungry. And you made, I made grilled, grilled cheeses. Cheese. Which were technically not grilled cheeses because they had turkey and pesto on That's them. That's still a grilled cheese. No, it's not. It's only a grilled cheese oh that has gosh, grilled cheese no. on it. Anything else no. transforms it into a different kind of sandwich. No. We could have this debate forever. I think we will have this debate forever. There's we'll a whole be like Reddit thread about this. 90 uh, that, bleh, No. We'll be 95 in like different porch swings just shouting at each other across the way. Um why aren't we in the same porch swing? Why can't we share? Well, there we we can, but there's just two in case one of us wants alone time. Or both of us want to But we're, like, time. living across from each other? No, we have a really big front porch, and there's just two... Oh! Okay, 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 okay. So, just to rephrase, we have the same house. Yes. Um, But there's two porch swings yes. that we sit in and shout at each other on the porch. Yes. Great, because when you first said this, my, my uh, like, what I imagined was very different houses maybe across the world from each other, and we never spoke. That's not... How would you shout to the person? I don't have abandonment issues. It's fine. <laughs> Anyways, I'm glad we're... Self-deprecating <laughs> I'm not scared that everyone I love will leave me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, welcome to Midnight Nonsense. Yeah, performative Jen just made an appearance. Cheers, that bitches. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. We all have a bit of the performative in us. I, you know, we've been saying the word performative a lot in, like, conversations with each other recently. And it has made me think about how often I'm performative. Oh. Uh, Now I'm worried about it. I don't think you need to be worried about it. Just be aware of it. Yeah. But, like, I think, you know, like, performing is a way of, like, it's a coping mechanism. Right. Well... I, I mean, I guess it's a coping mechanism. It's also just a way of being. Like, it's not necessarily inauthentic. There's just, no. like, certain expectations you have to deal with during the day. And you may, you may, you might not be into them. So you have to, like, have a level of performativeness in order to get them done. There's nothing wrong with that. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I was thinking about this because the other day you and I were walking into a situation and I had zero energy left Mm -hmm. I had nothing left I was so grumpy and done Mm -hmm. for no real reason just that's who I am as a human well sometimes it happens yeah um every day (laughs) and you mentioned that you were like I can tell when you're performing and it's Mm. made me think about this and I was thinking about it too because I'm for my thesis project I was writing about a framework for understanding poverty, mm-hmm. which talks about how children of poverty code switch when they come into middle class institutions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you have to use like this totally different vernacular. And I think we all do this in some ways. Um, the term originally originally grew up around people who were speaking different languages and they were code oh, okay. switching between them. Mm-hmm. But you also code switch between like how you 
talk to your professor and how you talk to me. Yeah. For example, I do not say there's that bitch <laughs> when I'm... You don't. <laughs> I routinely say, what up, dickhead, to all my professors. I mean, the English department is pretty chill. You could... I still think most of them would be like, um, excuse me? They would. They would. They would because I've seen students cuss at professors and professors get like kind of affronted well yeah because it's not appropriate that said a couple weeks ago i went to my professor and said i didn't do any of my homework this week because i was too sad and he was like that's cool do you want to talk about it (laughs) that's different that's Mm -hmm. being honest okay and it's certainly not in passing having a level of disrespect by saying what up bitch (laughs) yeah okay all right don't cuss at your professors don't cuss at your professors just or maybe anyone yeah, you need to wait until there's a level of familiarity there. But once you're there, you can just constantly... If you see Hannah in the street, you can just shout, Yo, big person of wonder, I respect you. Please don't. Yeah, don't do that. Also, no no one's going to know what I look like because this is a podcast. <laughs> also, actually shouting at you in the street is probably the quickest way to be un your friend. Yeah, yeah, considering the last time I got shouted at in the street, it was by a bunch of dudes who then almost hit me with their Jeep. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. There's some dude bros who drive around Ellensburg and, like, shout at you from their car. Yeah, it's like a game. And there's a couple of them that do this, too. They will drive around, and you're just walking, minding your own business, and right as they're going by, they'll go, ah! Yeah, it's really annoying. And it, it fucking sucks, to be honest. It does. Because it... It's not necessarily sexual harassment, but you know that there is a, a gender thing that's happening there. It's like, right. I can I can scare this woman on the street. Yes. Because I'm a dude, so I'm going to do it. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's the fucking worst, and I hate it. And it makes people feel really unsafe, and you might think it's funny. It's not funny. But no one is laughing on the street. No. And I am usually shouting after you. Yeah, we started talking about taking eggs when taking we went egg, Yeah, walking, walking with eggs and just egging the car. And just flinging them. And then if, when we get arrested, I will have no problem being like, they started it. They deserved it. They, they, they harassed me. This is my excuse for all the many times I imagine myself getting arrested, is they mm. deserved it. I mean, yeah, but you need to come up with an actual thing, because like... No, just they deserved it. No, but it's, they... They did deserve it, but they harassed you. No, they just... So it was self-defense. I'm just going to sit there. This is why I don't let me get arrested on my own, because you're going to need to be there. And when the officer asks me what's what happened, I'm going to be like, that guy's a dick. And he's going to be like, that doesn't explain why you punched out his headlight. And I'm going to be like, he's a dick. That's why. You need to be there. Okay. I'm not a good self-advocate. No. I guess not. No. 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 It's okay. I'll help you. Thanks, bud. No problem. Thanks, pal. Don't call me bud, pal. Don't call me pal, friend. Don't call me friend, jackass. Well, you are a jackass, jackass. Just jackass. Call you a jackass. <laughs> and there is our beautiful Ocean's <laughs> Eleven tribute. Uh, We're full of vim and ver tonight. Vim and ver? Vim and ver. Haven't you ever heard what that? What is ver? Something related. I thought it was vim and vigor. No, vim and ver. What about, like, spit and poison? Mm. She's full of spit and poison tonight. What about bull and shit? Well, that's every night. Great point. 
Never off the bullshit. Duly noted. We have an entire podcast dedicated to it. What kind of bullshit have we gotten up to this week, Hannah? Um, I think I had a crow talk shit about me the other day. <laughs> what? Yeah, I didn't tell you this because I wanted to save it for this. I'm so blessed by how many more crow stories you have <laughs> as the days go on. Well, they're just always along the route to school. Yes, okay, so tell me, what happened? There was a crow on top of one of the street lamps. Yeah, they hang out there. And I was... I saw it from far off, and as I got closer, it started cawing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And crows are really smart, so I, like, I stopped, and he would go, caw, 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 and then wait, and then go, caw, caw, caw. I'm like, what is he saying? And he didn't start doing it till I showed up. What impression have I given these birds? Please don't be talking shit. It better be a good impression. I know, but I haven't I haven't done anything. Don't make enemies with the no, crows. No, I know. They'll destroy you. They will destroy you. What I know. My phone. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was touching something with my toes because sometimes I explode my environment with my feet. Sure. <laughs> I touched an unfamiliar substance. It was my your phone. My cell phone. Sure. Thing I habitually put on my face. Just No, it's all covered with your feet. Grasped it with my toes. Feet. Anywho. Yeah. Um, so it was it was talking and there were other crows nearby, so I know it was talking to other crows and I'm still genuinely worried he was talking shit about me. I mean that is a legitimate worry. Even though I haven't done anything to the crows besides say hi. Well maybe he was like this is that Chick who embarrassed herself saying hello to the magpies, and maybe they were laughing at you. That's fair. I laughed at me. Crows, crows, I don't know, they're cool like that. When we go to grad school, I desperately, desperately want to um, cultivate a relationship with the crows there. Okay, you can do that here. I know, but we're moving soon. So, maybe if you make a good enough relationship, they'll come to Montana. Or wherever we go. I don't know if crows travel that far. I'm pretty sure they have, like, a small radius... I mean, if they meet an awesome human, maybe. That said, Lord help me, one day, (laughs) someone's going to say, we have this baby crow that needs to be rehabilitated and cannot go into the wild for X, Y, and Z. Will you take it? And you will. And I will cradle that thing like (laughs) a baby until the day I die. (laughs) I want nothing more than a pet crow, like a pet crow that couldn't otherwise live in the wild because birds should be free. Right, or one that is like... A companion, like a wild one that adopted you. Yes, yes. Both of those would be acceptable. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want to take a crow from the wild because they should be out right, there. Right, right. Uh, I just thought about this when you were talking about your crow. You are Dickon from the Secret Garden. I am Dickon. You are. You just collect all the animals. Yeah. And they all love you. And I sure as hell would have a secret garden and well, let that them. That was Mary's, but <laughs> it was. It was Dickon's first. No, it wasn't. He'd never been in. You're right. That was the groundskeeper that had gone in there. Yeah. Not Dickon. All right. Okay. Okay. But yes, that scene. <laughs> Sorry. We just had a legit debate over the secret garden. It's an important work of literature. It is. I'm not denying that. Um, That scene at the very end of the movie where, like, she and her cousin, I think, are running, mm-hmm. and then Dickon's coming behind them, and then, like, this flood of animals mm-hmm. follows them my heart yeah that's you it's me with little foxes and sparrows and raccoons and crap i basically just aspire in every way to be a tree yeah and bring animals onto my shelter yeah like a tree 
by the water, so I can also get cephalopods up in there. Yeah, you're an ant. I'm an ant! You're an ant. <gasps> I'm tree beard. No, I'm one of the lady ants. Yeah, I was going to say, you're one of, you're one of the ant wives. I was going to say, you're not tree beard because you have much better prose. <laughs> Are you insulting tree beard? No, I'm just saying you're better than him. I don't know if I'm allowed to accept that compliment. <laughs> you are. As he was written by the master, no, J.R.R. Tolkien. but that's not the same thing, because he wrote Treebeard to, like, have these long, rambling prose that the hobbits get bored of. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's true. So. Oh, can you imagine if I got to carry two little hobbits around? As an ant wife? Yeah. I think you might get sick of them and drop them. Not drop them, drop them, but be like... (laughs) (laughs) Blonk! No, but be like, okay, you need to walk now. My favorite thing about the Entwives is that canically... Canonically? Canonically. Canonically. In the canon. They legitimately just got tired of the Ents bullshit and wandered off. Yeah. Which Which is so you. Is... I mean, I'm thinking of that time... In the Walmart when you and Maggie were looking at the microwaves. Yep. And you just, just left. Went for a wander. Yep. I'm good with this. All I kind of do is wander and sometimes I'll try to see if I can wander off without you noticing that I'm wandering Mm -hmm. off. And sometimes I do get away with it. But the most disappointing one was we were playing Pokemon Go. I think I might have been a little inebriated. It was over the summer. Um, and it was me and you and Maggie and I think even Steph. And we were over at Sun late at night on campus. Oh, that's right. That's right. And I thought to myself in my head, I'm going to go for a wander across this dark campus. And I made it like 20 feet. I was almost <laughs> where the shadow started. Oh my gosh, I have no survival skills. <laughs> no, you don't. And you went, please don't wander off. And I was really tired. <laughs> like <laughs> In the tiredest mom voice? Yeah, in yeah. the tiredest mom voice. Yeah. Like you were just so done with my shit. I think that's because you had been asleep about 30 seconds prior to that in the car. Yes, I was asleep in the car. <laughs> And then I got out and was, I think I was wrapped up in a blanket. You were. Prepared to go wandering across the dark camp At like midnight. Yeah, so. It's okay. I don't know how I'm still alive. Sometimes I wonder this too. I'll be perfectly honest. Yeah. I don't really have an answer. Luck. Like. <laughs> I'm very good at disassociating. <laughs> it's not good when you're having to wander. I mean... No, it's not because then you're not aware of your surroundings. That's how you get hit by a car. You know, the wanderings... I, I've always come out okay in the end. I actually think that um, now is the anomaly. Because before, my whole life, nobody's been like, please don't wander off. They've mm-hmm. just been like, no one, no one's cared. So I've just gone wandering around the world, having a great time. And now you're like, don't wander into the dark campus. <laughs> you're going to die. Yes. And it's destroying the timeline. I don't feel bad for that at all. Well. Destroy that horrible timeline. Well. I also like having to wander, but usually I'm too busy looking out for other people. 
Not just not just you. Oh, that's sad, Hannah. No, it's just if I really want to have a wander, I'll make sure I go do it by myself. You do sometimes go wander. Yeah. Like you'll go for meandering walks. Yeah. By myself. Yeah. So I don't have to look after anyone. You sound like a mom. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like a mom. Yeah. <laughs> you're kind of momly. Yeah. Well, you're just so, like, um, you you kind of remind me of, when growing up, I was really scared of middle class mothers. We've oh, talked yes, about we've this talked a lot. about this. Um, because they're, like, the bearers of culture. So to poverty children, they're very complex and confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have a lot of expectations for children and interact with them more than fathers. I think stereotypically. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, sometimes you remind me of a middle-class mom. <laughs> like, when you say things like, who doesn't know how to set a table? Or... That just shocked me when you said that. Well, you never... No, no, I get it. I just... It shocked me in the sense that it was not something I ever thought about. So it was a good thing. Right, yeah. Or, like, when you're like, these aren't Christmas decorations, they're winter decorations. There's a difference. <laughs> There's also apparently fall decorations and hot. Ho- We've talked about We've this talked on the about podcast this. before. All, there are different subcategories. Yeah, these are the times where I'm like, you are a middle class mom. <laughs> you, Where is your brood of children? Where's your minivan? The car you drive would work for a middle class yeah, mom. Yeah, no, I, so, I have a soccer mom car. So, like, where are your children? Thankfully not here. Never will be. I don't want kids. Okay, what are you going to do with all of this um, gushing? I have you. (laughs) (laughs) No. I'm your child. I'm a year older than you. This reminds me of when we were in the drive-thru the other night. (laughs) What happened in the drive-thru? We were talking about um, I looked like and sounded like a tired mom. Which drive through Taco Bell. Oh, you did look and sound like a tired mom. Because the guy at the... Ca- okay, so the... Hannah hates drive throughs as we've established yes. on previous podcasts. Yes. Um, the guy was like, hey, how's it going tonight? And Hannah went, good. No, I was like, it's good. No, you went, good. And there was no, and you? It was just... What do you mean, and you? You're not supposed to have a conversation. No, that's that- the polite thing. You say, good, and you? And then they say... He's on a headset. It doesn't... <laughs> Like, he's not a person? No. (laughs) No, no, no. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying, like, that connection is really bad. You cannot have an actual conversation in that scenario. Sometimes I have very meaningful conversations with people in drive-thrus. They tell me that their day's been really hard, and I tell them that I hope it gets better. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then Hannah ordered my food. We were at Taco Bell late at night because I was making bad choices. And... Uh, no. I'm just gonna be honest about what that was. That that was a hunger choice. Yeah, but it was like a bad hunger choice. Yeah, I could have eaten a lot of things at yeah. Taco Bell, which yeah. was better than Jack in the Box tacos. So, oh my gosh, let's not get back to those. But you were like, you weren't you weren't rude by any means, but you just sounded like an exhausted mother. Sometimes I feel like it. Oh, Hannah. And actually, my outfit was. Dad who gets call in the middle of the night to pick up kid from sleepover. <laughs> so yeah, it, was. it all worked out because I was wearing my pajama pants and a really big coat over it. Yeah. You are suburban parents. Great. You're the <laughs> middle class parents I never had. <laughs> that's sure. That's a thing. All right. 
Well, we're both so unhappy with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, my chair is squacking. <laughs> That's the noises of my chair sounding in the deep. That's all right. Better the chair than the neighbors jumping up and down the stairs. So true. Which has been happening a lot recently, and I don't know why. Yeah, so when our neighbors first moved in, we were like, these kids seem nice. <laughs> Talk about suburban mom. <laughs> well, these, what nice children. Well, there's a history. So I've lived in this apartment for three years. Mm-hmm. The first year, our neighbors were, like, mega partiers. <laughs> Tell to, them about the fish. Yeah, I walked outside my house one day, and there was a full-on dead fish in the sidewalk, like a, a salmon, salmon. A full-size salmon. Like, just sitting there. And I ran into my neighbors later that day at the laundromat, which was super rare. I never really saw them. I heard them a lot, but I never saw them. <laughs> and I was like, what was up with the fish? And they were like, oh, yeah, we went fishing last night. And then we just started throwing them at each other. Like, no, like, sorry we left fish in the common walkway. <laughs> sorry just... there's a giant fish in our tiny front lawn. No, and I, then, the, the culmination was one night uh, I had my window open and overheard two people and this guy talking about, he was talking about his problems with his mother. Mm-hmm. I think he was talking about doing opiates. And he was talking about how much he liked anal sex. And, like... That's a trifecta right there. I'm not trying to shame anybody for what they like. But, like, I did not want to be hearing in my bedroom about how much he liked getting plowed. Yeah. That was not... That's a, that's a common courtesy thing. And he was crying really loudly while he told this story. And, sure. like, screaming. And it was, like, 11 o'clock at night. Great. So those neighbors were not great. And then the second year... Who were your neighbors last year? They were fine. It was just a pair of girls that I very rarely saw. Yeah. They had a dog. They had Pants the dog. Pants the dog. Pants was not the dog's name, but it had coloring that made it look like it was wearing a pair of tiny pants. Because it was white, and then it had brown on, like, its hind quarters. Mm -hmm. Its real name was Heidi, but we renamed it Pants. Pants Pants the dog. Because that was a way better name. Yeah. Stupid name, Heidi. Anyways, (laughs) this year, three... Or, it's two guys and a girl, and they moved in. Sure. And... We got, like, lots of mixed signals because they had skateboards hanging on their wall, but they also had twinkly lights, so yeah. we couldn't quite pin. Like, what? What do? Who are these people? But then we heard they were from a local youth group, so we were like, okay, All right. they'll probably be quiet. Yeah, one of them came over and knocked on the door and literally asked for a cup of sugar. Yeah. <laughs> so we're like, this is fine. While wearing a t-shirt, right, that said, God is dope. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, so we were like, this will be fine. They have progressively gotten louder as the quarter's gone on. Yeah, they've they've started, I don't know how far down the stairs they get, but they'll run halfway down the stairs, and then you just hear this, as if they've jumped and landed at the bottom. Which is really nice. Yeah. Although, I have a secret theory that we're the loud neighbors. Oh, we absolutely are. From how often, at like 11 o'clock at night, I poke you in the arm until you snap and then try to rip my arm off and then I'm screaming. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I am a little surprised we haven't gotten somebody called on us. Me me too. <laughs> me too. I'm so sorry, neighbors. It's just... Hannah's a real pain in the ass and sometimes needs to be provoked into violence. <laughs> like that? We're recording. I, I know. You be an adult. <laughs> I am an adult. You're not... <laughs> I'm, I'm the adult she says sulkingly with her arms crossed I'm the adult 
here. She says as she picked up her phone with her feet. <laughs> <laughs> Look, that is a cool skill to have. <sighs> I'm I'm just very scalented. It's a combination of skilled and talented. Scalented. You're full of something that starts with S. That's true. Yeah, scalent. No, no. Shit. I'm sorry, but my mother doesn't allow me to use language like that. Full of shit. I bet I could make you use that language. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that is why we have... We are the loud neighbors. That wasn't language, but it was still worth it. You know what? I hate you. <laughs> no, you don't. We had a conversation the other night about the Breakfast Club and how they got the relationships all wrong. They did get the relationships wrong on The Breakfast Club. Yeah. I love The Breakfast Club. It's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> the Breakfast Club <laughs> takes place at a Preta, Preta, is it Manger? What? It's a, it's a sandwich shop. P-R-E-T space A space M-A-N-G-E. I, it's a thing. I don't, I, sometimes I don't even know where to start with you. <laughs> What are you talking like about? Like, I just need six months to stare at you. You're looking at me like you looked at me when I was talking about desalinization earlier. That's because, okay, we're in the middle of just sitting there. <laughs> Hannah's working on her homework. I'm Christmas shopping. And she turns around to me and is like, we need to figure out how to desalinate ocean water. We're all going to die. <laughs> That's not how I started. The hell? And earlier in that conversation, or lack of a conversation... Like, a half hour before, she turns around and she's like, how, how much have, time have you spent looking at agricultural patterns in the U.S. from the air? <laughs> Why? I dedicated half of my undergraduate degree to those studies. <laughs> I didn't want to presuppose that you didn't know what I was talking about or that you hadn't hadn't researched it because you research a lot of things yeah but and what was happening is let me explain my homework assignment that's riveting information um content we all want yeah hashtag geography geography <laughs> you've been geographied <gasps> i love it anyway anyway i was looking at different images on google earth from around the world and basically identifying features from those images. And each time I came to a new one, I started thinking about, like, different aspects related to it. So I was looking at agricultural patterns in the U.S. And I was like, Jen, have you ever noticed this? And this is why this is. They're all circular, but also in a grid pattern, because that's how we do township. <laughs> and and the, the water one was I was looking at... Um, agricultural patterns in Egypt and I was thinking about the water wars between South Sudan and Egypt and as one does we should be thinking about these things oh <laughs> sorry I won't do I won't go into it again I, I legit spent like 45 minutes explaining why this was a problem she did she did and and I had to pay like very close attention because I wasn't like prepared to learn in that moment like I was I was thinking of Christmas gifts I knew you didn't want to hear it no but then you like offered to explain it to me and you're passionate about it so I was like okay like teach me this but I had to like pay rapt attention because I knew if I, I zoned out even for a second you were gonna like snap closed like a national treasure that wasn't a good like a simile treasure <laughs> Like, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln statue just 
no, 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 no. The movie. The movie. Like, they would snap close the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> no more treasure map for you. <laughs> Anyways, we were talking about The Breakfast Club. We were. We watched this the other night. Because we were having an important director's night. Because we watched The Breakfast Club and The Royal Tenenbaums. That just was happenstance. We didn't plan that. We just picked those out randomly. No, I just really like both of those movies. Yeah, so we didn't have an important director's night. We just watched oh movies gosh, that you just like. go with the theme? Like, I gotta... I mean, not a theme. <laughs> Keep talking about The Breakfast Club. We watched two movies the other night. And one of them was The Breakfast Club. <laughs> But we were talking about how they got the couples all wrong. They did. Because Claire and Allison should have been a couple. Clearly. Mm-hmm. They were... Okay, because Claire getting together with Bender makes no sense. It makes no sense. All he does throughout the entire movie is sexually harass her. And bully and, her. And bully her. There's like... That's not attractive. No, and it just reinforces that thing of like, if a boy bullies you, he secretly likes you, which is not the case. That's like how you get abusive relationships. Yeah, if a boy bullies you, it means he's a dick. Go away from him or find a nicer boy. Or knee him in the dick and then go away from him. Yes. Don't hook up with him and give him one of your diamond earrings. Yeah, no, lame. She totally should have gotten together with Allison. Mm -hmm, Because they they have this like natural chemistry. They do. And she gives her the makeover. It's so nice. Yeah. Well, and even before when they're, like, all high and talking in the circle, and Mm -hmm. Allison's like, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? If you say you haven't, you're approved. And if you say you have, you're a slut. And I love that part, by the way. I just love Allison. She's so weird. (laughs) Wow. Hi, tummy. (laughs) My stomach's making an appearance on the podcast. Um, I love Allison. Because she's so weird and she uses weirdness as a way to, like, try to get people's attention because she feels so ignored. Mm -hmm. And I love, especially in the beginning of the movie, what's the actress's name who plays her? Um, Ali Sheedy. Yeah, she makes these really interesting choices where, like, Allison opens her mouth really wide and kind of extends her jaw in this Mm -hmm. really unnatural movement. (laughs) And I think it is so cool looking because it's, like, the epitome of, like, this girl... Who, who really, on the inside, is just like everybody else, mm-hmm. but is so desperate for connection that she, like, weirds everyone out. And they're like, you're so weird, instead of just being like, you really want to sit here. Please just sit down. <laughs> it's okay to just sit down. Mm-hmm. I love her. I love Allison. <laughs> Plus, the fact that she makes art out of her dandruff. Ugh. Goals. Ugh. It's disgusting. Love it. I read that that was actually Parmesan cheese. that's beautiful there you go uh who else did we say belonged together well we said bender didn't belong with anyone right bender needs to go to some therapy and grow up a little bit and then maybe yeah because right now he really wants love but he gets it by displaying aggression yeah and it's not good for him no and there's a lot of toxicity there so yeah and then we talked about the toxic masculinity problem between bender and the 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 teacher teacher? i don't know dickhead teacher the awful detention teacher (laughs) who is basically trying to like crush bender into some form of masculinity and hates him really because Mm -hmm. he's not behaving within this pattern Mm mm-hmm I said they had a gross sexual tension. Like I don't, not I don't see the sexual tension. I'm not shipping it. Like don't get me wrong here. I'm no. not like No, no. That's hot. Like it's it's gross. 
but I think it's there. And you said it was toxic masculinity. Yeah, I just see it as, like, that the teacher's like, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Like, it's a bull metaphor. There's two bulls that are competing to be top bull in the ring. See, I agree with you, but I think toxic masculinity at its core often uses sex to demean and crush your opponent. All right. So I think that's where I'm picking up on it. Okay. This is a weird analysis of The Breakfast Club. Sexual I'm, tensions in The Breakfast Club. Um, I'm <gasps> here for a paper it. about it. I'm sure someone has, but you should write another one. We could co-author it together. I am not interested. <laughs> this I is will you help. being a bad wingman. I will help you. Well, I just don't care that much. This is you being a bad wingman. I'm man. happy to talk about it. I don't want to write about it. All right. Well, that's fair. Writing's your thing. You should write about it. You write too. Yeah, but not like that. And you write good stuff. Thank you, but that's not... <laughs> okay, we don't, we don't, we can... Anyway, and I think we said um, Brian and Andy. Yeah, I could see them being together. But not, like, not going to force them together. Really, it should just be Allison and Claire. That's yes. The, that's the one we That's how the movie with. should have ended. Yeah. But it was the 80s, and... Eh. Eh. Yeah. And then we watched the Royal Tenenbaums. We did. Which I, again, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of my favorite movies growing up, which... I am not surprised. <laughs> let us not explore. Um, <laughs> but does have just so much questionable content in it. Yeah. But it's so well directed, and the script is so clever, and I just love it. Yeah, it's definitely one of Wes Anderson's better movies. It is. Yeah. Um, I think that one and Grand Budapest Hotel are the ones I like the best. Not counting Fantastic Mr. Fox, because I'm putting that in a different category, because it's like the puppetry animation thing, because that's clearly the best one. Uh, Yeah, and I think that that is a different... It's different. It's a different genre. It's a different kind of creation. Yeah. Um, So, Ten Bombs and Grand Budapest Hotel. I don't remember Grand Budapest Hotel really well, because I watched it on a plane ride back from London. Oh, we should watch it. We should watch it again. The the other one I know pretty well is Moonrise Kingdom. Ugh. You don't like it? Mm -mm. How come... Uh, the forcing of children together in a relationship yeah is really gross to me i think that's where he loses me with that one because i can buy it in as much as it's um did you ever read the the mixed up files of basil is that the one where they go to the museum yeah they they, and he actually steals that and it's um two of the characters in the royal tenenbaums run away to the museum as children yeah um but I can buy it in the sense of, like, two children who happen to be opposite genders and maybe have, like, that innocent kind of childhood crush that's really friendship. Yeah, yeah. But that's not what that is in Moonrise It's Kingdom. not, because it, it turns sexual It does. And in it's... That. Mm-hmm. And it... it I, I mean, children that age do have sexuality, but I think to explore it in that way is yeah, gross. It's kind of it's just wrong to like forcefully simulate that on film, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't like it. I think this... it would be better if it would if it remained in like like if they had like a awkward bumbling kiss. I'd yeah, be that'd like, be different because that's just like that's just childhood figuring stuff out. Right. But they go much farther. Yeah. And it's gross. Yeah. I, I don't agree. I don't like it. This is like how um the Duffer brother <laughs> The Duffer brothers forced Sadie Sink to kiss yeah. Caleb McLaughlin. Yep. Which was wrong. 
Like, don't force your actors and actresses to do that. And this, the kiss wasn't even scripted. They only put it in there after she said she was uncomfortable doing that. Yeah, which is just, like, people think this is really cute, and it's not actually cute. No, that's... And then they, like, clapped after it happened. I'm like, don't embarrass children that way. And I get that they're teenagers, but they're still children. And that's, Yeah. That's... You're the person in charge. You're supposed to be creating an environment of safety, and you've just made everyone feel really unsafe. That's not okay, especially with all of, like, these cases of abuse coming out mm-hmm. in Hollywood. Like, that's not right. Well, and I think even just as, like, a story choice... Um, ugh, ugh, Stranger ugh. Things 2 ugh. ended with a lot of fan service and, and shipping that... Fan service, the episode. ...really was unnecessary... I don't know how much we've talked about this on the podcast. We haven't talked about Stranger Things 2 at all. We were deeply disappointed with Stranger I, Things yeah, 2. Yeah, yeah. Which apparently is, like, a really unpopular opinion, because everyone I'm seeing friggin' loved it, except for episode 7. I mean, I still loved it. Like, I watched it. It's a show I like. But there was so many things in there that I was like, yikes. And things that didn't make sense. Like yes. Like, you went, they went back on all of their world building and just changed it kind of arbitrarily. And that doesn't work. Yeah. And a lot of the character relationships I didn't find. You know no. this. I had a huge problem with Hopper and Eleven's relationship. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say that Hopper was written way out of character than for what he was in season one. Uh, yes, I agree with you. He was so OOC. Pretty much everyone felt like they were, except for Joyce. Joyce and Steve. Was, and Steve. Steve was... Steve Harrington continues to be the crown jewel of Stranger Things, honestly. He, yep. He makes everything good. Yeah. And I never thought I would love Steve Harrington so much. Like, when I first saw him, I was like, I hate him. Yeah, it was really funny. Uh, oh my gosh, I think it was after you had finished your first watch through Stranger Things, and you were asking me about this, and I was like, I actually really like Steve Harrington, and you were like, Yeah! Oh, why? <laughs> yeah, I remember you saying that. <laughs> and I was like, because he has the most interesting character development. I also remember you saying that you were really frustrated because you felt like Eleven was used as a plot device. Eleven is a plot device. And I was like, no. And then at the end of season two, I was like, Eleven is a plot device. Yeah. Eleven's a plot device. And it sucks because, like, she could be a really cool character and people have latched onto her so much that I think they just kind of refuse to see that. Yeah. But there's a test you can do. Wherein, if you replace any of your characters with, it's supposed to be a lamp. It's like the sexy lamp, but we'll just take out sexy for this because it's not like a sexual objectification thing. Take your character out, put an object in its place. If the story can still continue, you haven't written a good character. And with Eleven, you can take Eleven out and put like a magic rock in her place. And the story doesn't change. Yeah. It's the same, it's the same story. Like... Hopper's having a hard time keeping the magic rock contained and safe. And then the magic rock gets stolen by someone Mm -hmm. and goes away and Mm -hmm. gets brought back at just Mm -hmm. the right time. And and Mike is upset because he found he found the rock and he took care of it for so long. And he misses the rock. He misses yeah, he misses having that. Yeah. 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 Again, which sucks. But it really does suck. And I, I had really high hopes. I hate this thing. I know it happens to all of us, but where you love something mm-hmm. and then the sequel comes out, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and present Lord of the Rings versus The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. 
where like Lord of the Rings was so well done, mm-hmm. and then The Hobbit was such steaming garbage. I'm trying to think of like a certain type of animal poop that would adequately express how bad it was, and I don't think any animal poop is as bad as the Hobbit trilogy was. Dragon poop? No. It wasn't even that magical. Ent poop. Orc poop. Orc poop. Steaming Steaming pile of orc orc poop. poop. With like half digested rabbits in there. Yeah. Gross. Maybe some of them are still alive. I don't know. Gross. The point is, so bad. Yeah, it and it is a huge letdown when some you like something so much and they come back to it and it's not, not done particularly well. Because it just betrays all that love that you put in for the first thing. Yeah. I think books are particularly sus- susceptible to this. Oh, yeah. Because, especially if they didn't plan a sequel, that's the worst, is when they didn't plan a sequel and then the first thing does so well that they decide to make a sequel. Mm-hmm. And it's almost always the wrong move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I think the standard operating procedure should be, like, if you cannot come up with a new story that fits within the rules of the world you've created, you should leave it alone. Studio executives don't agree with me, but... Okay, so there's this book by Stephen King called Misery. Okay. Um, spoilers for Misery. If you don't want spoilers, fast How forward. How old is this book? I mean... Hella old. If you haven't read it by now, you don't care. Just just throwing <laughs> it out there. Um, and the... So the whole idea is that there is a writer, and I think he's in a car re- crash, and he gets rescued by his biggest fan named Annie. Mm-hmm. Um, and Annie is nursing him back to health. Hang on, hang on, hang on. She's a fanny? <laughs> Get out. Get out. Um, Annie is nursing him back to health, but Annie's also kind of psychotic. Uh-huh. So, like, as payment, she wants him to write another one of the series that he writes. Mm-hmm. But she gets really mad at him if she writes if he writes it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he, he writes for a sequel, but I think she talks about how sometimes, you know, there's an episode where there's a cliffhanger and... The car has just driven off of a cliff, mm-hmm. and you're trying to wonder how the hero will escape. But mm-hmm. when they come back to the next episode, it's like that piece never happened, and how much she uh, hates it. Yeah, yeah. Which is a lot more frightening when Annie's doing it, because she's like, again, she's psychotic, and at one point, Paul tries to escape, and she hobbles him. Like, she Jeez. takes the sledgehammer and crushes all the bones in his ankle. Mm-hmm. It is a ter- that 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 book has stayed with me, and I read it in, like, seventh grade. Wow. Um, okay. Don't read Stephen King when you're in seventh grade. No. No. But, um, like Annie, I hate when they have to go back and rewrite the ending in order to make a new novel make sense or a new TV show or whatever it is. If you can't build off of what you've already created, then build something new. Mm -hmm. And I wish we could do that where we could say, wow, that person created something I really like. I'm going to support that artist because clearly they can do that again Mm -hmm. versus I must have more of that universe. Yeah. That particular thing. Yeah. This is something that the first season of Sherlock actually did really well because they Mm -hmm. left off in the cliffhanger in the pool. And I think it was on the the commentary with Moffat and Gatiss. They were like, we didn't know if we were going to get picked up for a second season, so we just decided to do the biggest, like, most exciting thing we could do. And then when we got picked up, we were like, oh, shit, how do we come back from this? And they actually did it really well. Yeah. To be like, 
oh, here's this, like, it's, like, so over the top it works. Like, the Moriarty gets a phone call, and he's like, okay, never mind. But it works. It works. Can I tell you? I know you know, but I mm-hmm. need everyone in the whole world to know. Sure. How much I love Andrew Scott. <laughs> Just so much. So for months, I couldn't remember this is his... like a year. For, like, a year. I couldn't remember his name, and I would just say to Hannah, who's that guy I really like? That one I really (laughs) like. And she'd be like, Andrew Scott. Andrew Scott. I think you actually wrote me, um, for some holiday, I forget what it was, you gave me a bag of goodies with, like, a joke about Andrew Scott on it. Probably. And I think I blushed, because I was like, oh my gosh, Andrew Scott. I love Andrew (laughs) Scott. (laughs) Um, And that... Friggin' scene in the pool. Mm-hmm. That's sometimes I will just go and watch that scene on mm-hmm. YouTube because it is so well done, and he's such a good actor. Yeah. How he can go from just like speaking to screaming and then crying and like Andrew Scott. Yeah, yeah. when he. I don't remember the exact sequence because it's been a day and a half since I've watched that now. But, like, when he screams, that's what people do. And mm-hmm. then his face immediately comes back and he does that little, like, half frown thing mm-hmm. that almost looks like the, like, confused emoji, but not. Yep. I don't know how he does that with his face, but it's really impressive. He's so talented. And we just watched him because we watched Pride, mm-hmm. which is an excellent movie. If you haven't seen mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. go watch it. Pride is the story about in the 80s when minors in England went on strike against Thatcher. There's a group of gays and lesbians and they wanted to support the minors because they were facing a lot of police brutality. Um, So it's the story of how those two groups learned to see each other and help each other. And it's a really good story. Um, Really nice movie, especially in these times. Yeah. When you're like, when when things feel really uncertain. And it's really, I think what I appreciate about that movie is, you know, often um, you'll try to get me to watch movies and I'll say I don't have the emotional energy for that mm-hmm. because they're so harsh in their depictions mm-hmm. of how difficult things are mm-hmm. that like it weighs on you really heavily to watch it mm-hmm. because things are so bad that, and they just, they live in that misery, which I'm not saying is a bad thing because sometimes we really do need to face how bad things were. Right. Um, but this doesn't do that. It's true to the conditions and true to what happened without being, like, overtly... Like, it, the movie makes you feel good. Yeah, it, it ends on a very optimistic tone. Um, yeah, it's and, good. It's and Andrew it. Scott's in it. And Andrew Scott's in it. He plays Gethin. And he's just... His face makes me feel so many things. Like, when he's happy, I'm just like, I'm so happy. But when he's sad, I'm like, we share the same sadness, Andrew Scott. I love you. It's a mark of a good actor. Andrew Scott, if you ever listen to this, I just, I just, you're just, you're just, just, just. You gonna finish that? No, he'll get it. Okay. He'll understand what I'm saying. Okay. We're, we have, we're, we're, yeah. We're good. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Andrew Scott. What? No. Not, not like that. He's gay, right? He is gay. And much older than me. Yeah, no, I wasn't, I was just imagining you meeting Andrew Scott and it would go something like what you just (laughs) said. 
I can't meet people I really admire like that. No, you can't. I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast. I don't think I have. Um, I went to Spokane and I met a poet there whose work I really admired. Mm-hmm. And she was in a panel. Um, and I went to the panel just to meet her. Um, and then after the panel, I went up to her <laughs> and, and said... I really like your books and like kind of like twisted uncomfortably and luckily she was she was so nice and gracious and was Mm -hmm. like thank you so much and like we talked and she signed my book but I that's that's the best I've got I really like your books just just I I think about you all the time want to be like you can you touch something I own thanks Well, then you did all right, because you didn't ask her to touch something you own, which I mean, would have been did. real I, weird. I asked her to sign my book. That's not the same thing. Can you sign my book is a normal thing you ask an author after a panel. Will you touch something I own? <laughs> it's really fucking creepy. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> Noted. Just don't let me meet people. I've said this before. We've talked about it on the podcast before, but... The day I meet Mary Carr, man. That's the day you throw up in front of everyone. Yep. And I can't even imagine meeting Joan Didion. That's the day you cry and throw up in front of everyone. I will just, I will weep. I will weep (laughs) uncontrollably. Like, silent tears will slide down my face as I near her in the Mm -hmm. line. Mm -hmm. And then she will take my book. And she's probably, like, a wonderful, very nice woman. So she'll be like, hi, who am I signing this for? And I'll just say, (laughs) And she'll probably write two, huh, many wishes, Joan. Get out of line. (laughs) Don't take me to literary festivals, please. I wouldn't. You take yourself to those. I don't go to those. You could come sometime. I I could. See a bunch of people talking about, like, the books. the, The Duende and the... The what? Okay, so the Duende is, like... Let's see if I can actually explain this. Okay. It's a term used in poetry, Mm -hmm. and it's the shadow moving over the page, and it's, like, intangible movement within your poem, and it's, like, how poets say, like, you caught it, like, you did it, you got the duende, you captured the duende. Okay. I, I don't... And you have panels talking about this? Yes. And you thought my talking about desalinization was boring? I didn't think it was boring. I thought it was nerdy. That's different. Yours sounds boring. Okay, well, I will admit, I'm not really much of a poet. So how the literary world works is you got the fiction writers. Right. Who, like, they're not quite the cool kids. Okay. Sorry, fiction writers. I'm so sorry. I know okay. at least one fiction writer is listening to this, and she's so offended at this moment. <laughs> I'm really sorry. But you guys are constantly being like, what if aliens attacked? What if this chair exploded? What if I could climb on the ceiling? That sounds interesting to me. It is really interesting. (laughs) They're not the cool kids. They do make money. So it evens out. Like, they're the ones of us most likely to get a movie deal. cool kids? The poets are the cool kids. Are they actually the cool kids? Or are they the ones that are, like, forcibly the cool kids? They make you think they're cool. No, they're the actual cool kids of the literary world. Because the poets the ones that are, like, they're talking about the duende and sonic rhythm and, like... Okay, hang on. Duende sounds like an 
evil fantasy race of elves. <laughs> Sonic Rhythm is an indie band. <laughs> Continue. Um, and they're always really cool looking and like they dress cool and like they're constantly like right they're right they're making erasure poems and like they're just so cool. Erasure poems is when you like take an existing body of work and then take words out. And take words out. Which actually sounds stupid, but I saw someone do a really cool one with uh, Louis C.K.'s statement. No, I like those. Anyone can make those. Mm, I mean, yes, but anyone can do anything. <laughs> like, anyone can be a poet. No, not anyone can be a poet. Anyways, and then there's the nonfiction writers mm-hmm. who are just the unacknowledged stepchildren. Okay. No one... No one, like, we're not in your MFA program. (laughs) We're just really sad trying to put our panels together. Mm -hmm. And every so often we get a panel and we're so excited about it. And everyone keeps asking us what our genre means. And it means you write the truth. Yeah, but like, is a textbook creative nonfiction? Is a vacuum. I don't know if it's creative, but it's nonfiction. It's nonfiction, but it's not creative nonfiction. And then there's all these splits with Actually, I suppose it could be creative nonfiction because, like, it takes a certain level of creativity to make an interesting textbook. Yeah, most... So, creative nonfiction is a definition, <laughs> according to Lee Gutkin, the oh author of Creative gosh. Nonfiction Magazine. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, creative nonfiction is fiction that you, or is nonfiction. <laughs> creative nonfiction is all lies. Um, is nonfiction. That's true crime. That uses the techniques, uh, uh, poetry and fiction. Uh-huh. So it's like, um, using pacing and rhythm and imagery and these other craft techniques to make text come alive. Mm-hmm. So while a textbook could be creative nonfiction, most of the time they're not. Right, which is why they're so boring. Well, that's why they're so boring. Yeah. If you're reading something and you're bored out of your mind, chances are it's not creative nonfiction. Or I guess it is, and the author's really not your jam. <laughs> it's just a fact dump. Yes. Anyways, all of that to say, we are we are not the cool kids. The poets are the cool kids. Okay. I'm never cool. There's just no scenario in which I'm cool. That's not true. I mean, probably the other Entwives think I'm really cool. <laughs> They're like, look at her. She's a feminist. I think other nerds think you're cool. Okay. I buy that. Yeah. On that note, we should probably wrap things up for the night. <sighs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. We're going to do a 12-hour live stream. We're going to do a perpetually never-ending podcast. It just gets crazier as the night goes on and ends with us both snoring. Uh, I was going to say it ends with us both, like, smacking each other. They wouldn't end with that. That already happened. That happened a half hour no, into no, this no. podcast. That was, that was like, jovial. This one would not be jovial. This would be, I have sat next to you for 12 hours and I am done with you. <laughs> I'm so offended. <laughs> I'm um, so offended. You remember what happened when we were in the car for eight hours. Well, um... <laughs> Which we will not get into right now. The point is, we would get tired of each other if we had to sit next to each other for 12 hours continuously with no breaks. I'm so hurt that I, I could do this. I could do it. 
No, you couldn't. I could do it, and I would still love the sound of your voice. No, you couldn't. Absolutely. Stop trying to make yourself sound better than me. Be honest. <laughs> I, I, I would love it. No, you would not. Yeah, it would no, be you wouldn't. a party in a 12. No, it wouldn't. You would hate it, especially because you'd be like, hey, I need a snack. And I'd be like, you can't have a snack that's going to make food noises while we're recording. You would hate me. I would just eat my snack. No. You would try to make me stop eating my snack and eat it anyways. And this is what a 12-hour podcast with us would sound like. Yep, just hypotheticals of us beating up on each other. And a lot of no you wouldn't. Yes, I would. No, you wouldn't. Yes, I would. Yeah, that's that's a strong theme <laughs> for friendship. Anyway, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. No, it's gonna, very loving. Gonna, yeah. Yeah, no, but seriously, don't, <laughs> don't don't take away from this that we hate each other. We don't. No, we're, you're we're my middle-class mom. We're very <laughs> We're very good friends. We care about each other a lot. If we didn't, we wouldn't be doing this Can together. Can I have that in writing? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Just like last time, you have to take me to dinner. <gasps> I do have to take you to dinner. You do. Anyway, we are so, so off topic. We're going to wrap it up for the night. What we have learned is uh, Allison and Claire are the penultimate relationship for The Breakfast Club. Sometimes Hollywood and authors are shitty about world building and should pay better attention to the rules that they make. Don't harass kids. Uh, watch out for shit-talking crows. Jen's an int wife. This has been Midnight Nonsense. Good night!